0: from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show.
1: I'm going to start right now someplace where I have started before and it always amazes me when I do, but let's do it again. Let's run it back. And no, not the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I could. But I could. The NBA equivalent of the Jaguars. If you caught that late game uh, from the association on TNT last night, you actually caught an awesome game. An awesome game between a couple of really solid teams that are both fun as hell to watch. When was the last time you said that about either one of these teams? That they're both solid teams and both fun as hell to watch. And maybe... What? Bo- exactly. And maybe both headed to the postseason.
0: <laughs> Hilarious,
1: Right. But incredibly enough, that's exactly what happened. That game went down in Sacramento between the Kings and the Knicks of all teams. As I mentioned, two solid teams, two entertaining teams, two teams that might be on the postseason. Sacktown, you're getting your national shine once again. I'm leading the show, Sacktown, talking about you because that's another nice win. Again, What's happening in Town has not happened in a hell of a long time. Probably the reason why Ryan in Town is constantly up in here flossing and cracking back on so many other towns around Cali. Towns like Fresno, Riverside, Baco, and most recently, Hemet. And on some level, I get why you're feeling yourself, bro. But the Kings have... Have legitimate juice. The Kings are legitimately entertaining. The Kings are legitimately getting national run and exposure because the Kings are legit dangerous. They're not hot, they're good. This is not a small sample anymore. This is a large sample size. And when the Kings are good, that's good for the association. More importantly, it's good for the jungle. It's good for the universe overall. And yes, I said that. I feel really strongly about that. I feel strongly about that team. And more importantly, I feel strongly about that town. The Kings are no longer a joke. Never mind being good enough to get to the postseason in the always rugged West. Right now, they're sitting in the two-hole. Sacramento. Sacramento is the freaking number two seed as we speak. And again, that's not a small sample size. That's 65 games in. It's mind-blowing. In fact, it's more than mind-blowing. It's brain-melting. That is enough to make heads blow right off of shoulders. Now, I know Sacktown does not need to be reminded of this fact, but the rest of you might. We're talking about a franchise... That is about to end the longest active playoff drought in all of major sports. This is why I'm leading the show with them. And because of our history. And I love them. But I want to make sure everybody knows this. They have not been to the postseason since 2006. I know you, Kings fan. I know how frustrating it's been. I know how painful it's been. I know how embarrassing it's been. Because I know that town. I know you. I was there in your heyday. I was there and witnessed it in person. I was there when C-Webb, Mike Bibby, White Chocolate, Peja, et al. were running the floor. And Rick Adelman was doing his thing on the bench. I was there when you were good enough to rip the Larry O. I was there in the old Arco arena. I saw firsthand how fierce that barn was. And what opposing teams had to deal with, with the cowbells and your intensity. So I know what kind of a toll the last several years have taken on that fan base. That's why I love that they are where they are right now. I love it for them. I love the potential that they have. These are great fans. And once they have a team that's relevant, that they can be proud of, and other teams will have to fear and respect It's going to get good. It's going to get nice. And we're almost there. I guess what I'm trying to say is light the beam. 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 For those of you who don't know what that is, the beam is a gigantic laser on the top of the Kings Arena. They light that bad boy after every single win. It's literally a gigantic purple laser beam that shoots right up into the sky, and it can be seen from all over Sacramento. I thought I saw it the other night from Orange County. Like they bounce it off the moon, and it reflects back. It's like some kind of enormous purple bat signal to the hungriest fan base in the association to let them know that, well, another dub... And more importantly, hope. Hope, like a gigantic purple light at the end of this miserable playoff drought tunnel. And they don't just light the beam after a win. A player gets the honor of hitting an actual giant purple button on the court. Well, as you heard, the entire arena chants, light the beam, light the beam. It's like some kind of... Gigantic, cool game show. But the best game show ever. And then once the beam gets lit, as if that weren't enough, once the beam gets lit, the straight fire drops. I
2: got, fire, I got D like this, like we this. gon' play this game, baby, till they blow that whistle fly i behind the paint
1: Kevin, Hurt. Kevin Hurt. You man, the man that slaps don't you like tell me I'm that done. doesn't slap Y'all can't play like, mom. like mom. straight I can fire work, I love it hey. talking about Rome that's goofy as hell no it's not well a little bit still slaps Maybe a little goofy, but fun as hell. Great story. Sacktown absolutely loves this team, and they should, and I love them for it. But the best part, again, about this story is it's not just a good story. I'm going to even argue that they're not just a good regular season story. These dudes are serious now. We're talking about the top ranked offense in the NBA, the number one offense in the NBA and not by a small amount, but by three full points per game over the next team. In fact, the offense is so good, it's historic. If they can keep it up over the last 17 games, they will have the most prolific scoring offense in the NBA since the 84 Nugs. You heard me right. Even at their height, even when Golden State was dominating and lighting it up, they never averaged 120 per game. Sacramento right now is sitting on 121.1 per game. But, and I love this part about it too, if you think they were all smiles and backpats and self-congratulations after beating the Knicks on national TV last night, think again. My dude, Mike Brown, rolled into the press room straight up pissed after that game. Check out the way he sounded. Now, again, this is the head coach of the 39 and 26 Sacramento Kings. Listen to this dude get into his two best players immediately after another massive win.
0: Give the Knicks a lot of credit. Good ball club. Tibbs done a heck of a job with him. They're physical. They try to play the game the right way. You feel them throughout the course of the game. We're taking this win, but we got to be better. And it starts with Domas and Foxy. They got to open their mouths, and they got to challenge their teammates to perform each possession at an elite level. But they have to do it
1: themselves on both ends of the floor. Damn, Mike. My man. Mike Brown, again, that's a win over the Knicks on national TV during the two-hole in the West. And my man's up in here lighting folks up. And not ordinary suckers or chumps, but his go-tos. My man wants to make damn sure they and everybody else knows good is not good enough. Winning is not enough. He's there trying to develop the so-called sacramental way, the Kings way. I love it. Sabonis had a triple-double in this game, and Mike still had words for him. Fox scored 23 on 9-of-16 shooting. He delivered the dagger via a filthy crossover in triple-drive with 26 seconds left. The dude had 15 in the fourth quarter, and Mike Brown still had something for him. And I love it. Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome at the end of your first year. They automatically double all the cash back that you've earned. That's right, everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com/match. Full disclosure. This has always been a big Mike Brown house, even when it was not always popular to be a big Mike Brown guy. But it's always, it always has been. I have always appreciated him. So, yes, I'm going to hype him. But even if we didn't have the kind of connection that he and I have and that he does with his show, I would still be saying the exact same things about him right now that I am. He's coaching them the hell up. He's setting a new standard there. Winning is not enough. You need to win and play a certain way and commit to a certain standard. Cliché and lame as it sounds, it applies here. The Sacramento Kings are a freaking problem, yo. And not for me. I love them. I love Sactown. One of the best jungle towns ever. This is why I'm so hyped for them. Here's another cheesy cliché that you're sick of but applies the Kings are not just here to take part. They're here to take over. And it says here, they sure as hell might. They're building a bully in Sacktown. I mean, just listen to this song. It tells you all you need to know about them. I got, like Fox, baby. I got D like
2: Mitch, like Mitch. We gonna play this game, baby. Till they blow that with I'm behind the paint. Kevin Hurt, Kevin
1: Hurt. Light the Basketball. beam Light the beam Light the beam Kings fan The hell are you? The hell are you at? I will end that sentence with a preposition You're not supposed to start or end sentences with prepositions The hell are you at? Kings fan I just demo- devoted Incredibly precious, international, beachfront, real estate to you, your team, your town. Kings fan, the hell are you at? Call me. What's it feel like? You haven't been there since 06. I know you, Kings fan. I've been there. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I saw you when you were near the top of the mountain. Love to see you bouncing back and building what's being built there. 1-800-636-8686. Anthony Richardson is my guest. Anthony, it's great to have you on. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man.
2: Thank you. How about you?
1: Good, dude. Good. It's good to have you. So, take me back to the Combine. You absolutely crushed it. What was your preparation for Indy like? And then once it was over, how hyped were you with the way you performed?
2: You know, uh, the preparation was the main thing. You know, I started way in December, you know, so just putting in work day in and day out and just trying to understand what the goal was. The goal was to showcase who I am as a person and who I am on the field. And I believe I did both of those things pretty well. And, you know, uh, my goals that I I was aiming for, you know, 40 wide, you know, broad, vert, all those, I didn't reach my my vert goal or my broad goal, but the 40 goal was was met and I was feeling pretty good about
1: that. We're talking to Anthony Richardson, you know the thing about the combine is it is so challenging, right? It's a really exacting thing. It's challenging physically, mentally, probably emotionally. These are extremely long days. When you look back, what would you say is the most challenging aspect of the combine?
2: You know, I would say just being consistent about who you are. You know, because seeing all those other great athletes there, you know, other great competitors. You know, uh, sometimes you get caught in a shadow sometimes and you, try to you know mimic them and copy them instead of just being yourself so uh being yourself i would say that was probably you know a challenging thing for some people
1: anthony you mentioned two things i was going to ask you about that's interesting i was going to say the one thing that i really i mean aside from the way you ran and the way you jumped your your broad jump what i really liked about what i saw from you is you were real you wanted to make sure that folks knew who you are what you're about, and where you came from. For those who do not know the backstory, where did you grow up and what was your childhood like?
2: You know, I'm originally from Miami. You know, spent the first half of my life there with all of my family. Then my mom, my little brother and I, would move to Gainesville. You know, my mom found a in Gainesville, so we took that five-hour ride and you know, we settled down here. But, you know, growing up, the things weren't always necessarily easy for me, you know, my mom had to work two or three jobs almost every year just so she could provide for my brother and I. I had to kind of grow up early and help her raise my younger brother at an early age. So, you know, I was kind of forced to grow up and, and kind of become the man of the house and I feel like that's maybe who I am now.
1: Interesting, right? So your mom works multiple jobs to support you and your younger brother, Corey, and you had to grow up quickly. You just had to. What was that like? What do you remember about those years?
2: You know, I would say it was fun. You know, for some, for some people they would say it's challenging, but you know, without those memories and without those incidents, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, talking to you guys right now. You know, um, it, it just taught me how to grind harder. You know, it taught me how to, you know, be dedicated and focus on, on what I want to. Do. You know, I wanted to take care of my mom my mom. That that was one of my my main priorities, and you know, that that's helped me you know, learn how to focus and and grind hard.
1: See, dude, you had a purpose. You had a strong purpose, and you were aligned, and you attached to that purpose. You know, like, everybody wants to be their own person, and they should, but I know you were also really candid in talking about how much Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson have both influenced you. Why were those your two guys, and then what did you respect most about them when you were coming up?
2: You know, for one, their confidence. You know, that, that was one of the main things I admired about both of them, you know, regardless of what anybody said about them. You know, they always willing to go on the field and just showcase who they were, you know, even off the field. And, you know, I, I see my myself in those guys, you know, uh, similar attributes, you know. Um, some people don't, don't like the way I play and that's fine. So, you know, just, just trying to copy those guys a little bit and, you know, make big plays and, and just having fun on the field, that's what Pretty much made me, you know, emulate and love those guys.
1: Anthony Richardson joining us. Listen, I'm not sure you're going to weigh in on this, but I'll take a shot. Based on how much you respect Lamar, what do you make of everything surrounding him and his contract right now?
2: You know, I, I believe he's, he's a great QB. You know, and you know, uh, great players deserve to get paid. So, you know, I don't have a say on that. You know, but I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for any team that wants to pay, pay him and you know just have his back.
1: I can get that. I respect that. Listen, when you think about the combine, we think about how you ran the 40, we think about the vert, we think about the broad jump, but there is so much more to it. There is so much more to it that folks don't know. As an example, how do you think you did in your conversations with coaches, scouts, and executives? Did you feel connected pretty well with them?
2: Yeah, I definitely feel like I connected pretty well with with each team, you know, just telling my story and just telling them who I am as a person, you know, um, the field stuff like 40 vert, bra all that stuff. I wasn't worried about that. My main focus, my main concern, you know, going into that week was, you know, showcasing who I am as a person because uh, I don't know if it's true or not, but I might be the youngest guy in the draft, and you know, some people might have doubts about that that I'm not mature or anything like that. So I was just willing to go in there and just showcase who I am, and showcase that I am, you know, the quarterback that, that I need and want.
1: I think it's pretty clear what you were going to do is let them know, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is what I bring to it. You said there might be some doubts about you being the youngest quarterback in the league coming out. What about the other doubts? What about the doubts that you were 6-6 and last year? They know you're skilled. We know this. But did any of the teams say, Anthony, we haven't seen you lead a team anywhere significant? And if they did, then said, we're not sure how you're going to grade out in that regard. Was that a talking point? And how did you respond?
2: You know, uh teams didn't necessarily say that, you know, but they were asking about you know, some of my qualities that I do feel like I can improve on. And, and leadership is definitely one of those things because I haven't always been a vocal leader. You know, I've, I've just recently started molding into that. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a lead by example type of guy. And, you know, as a QB, you have to be vocal. So uh, just learning how to, you know, build that up a little bit more and just be able to, you know, command the room and, and walk in the room and let everyone know that I'm the guy. You know, that's one of the main things that i talked about with those teams.
1: Anthony Richardson joining us. Anthony, what about the completion rate, fifty-three point eight? I know you'd be the first one to say, "I got to get that up. I need to work on that, and I will." Did that come up as a talking point, and then how did you address those concerns?
2: You know, uh, some teams were definitely concerned about that. You know, uh, especially compared to some of the other QBs in the the, uh, draft, like their completion rate might be, you know, sixty-five or higher. And you know, nobody wants a guy that's completing, you know, only fifty percent of their passes. And I, don't, I definitely don't want to be that guy. So, you know, accuracy thing, footwork things, that's all stuff I've been working on. And just also just helping my guys and just being, you know, receiver friendly and just throwing a good ball for them that they can catch.
1: Respect. I like that response. Let me ask you this. Like, there seems to be this notion, and I'm not saying I agree with it, but I've heard it, and I've heard people I respect say it, that accuracy is a weird thing. Like, it's almost impossible to improve accuracy. I don't buy it. I'm looking at Josh Allen. He clearly has. Do you buy it? Is it hard to improve accuracy? And then it seems kind of basic, but how do you improve accuracy?
2: You know, um, I, don't, I don't think it's hard to improve accuracy. You know, it's just... Learn how to manage the game, making better decisions. You know, and just being a quarterback. You know, uh, I play this game to be a great Q- QB, and that's what I want to improve on. The you know, accuracy and, and throwing the ball better. You know, so footwork is into that. Knowing the play calls, knowing what the defense is about, is about to do. It's a lot that ties into it. It's not just throwing the ball and hoping the guy catches it. You know, it's a lot that goes into it. It's just being consistent with each of those regards. You know, it makes it simple.
1: I'll tell you what, I can understand why you did as well as you did in communicating with teams and interviewing with teams, and I know you met with a lot of teams. Go back to that notion of leadership. Like, if you didn't have a lot of experience, you got to find your way as a leader, right? You don't want to fake it because people will sniff that out. How did you go about leading? What's your approach to leadership?
2: You know, uh, early on for me, you know, it was just waiting my turn. You know, Um, try to learn different things from, from the older guys. Just wait my turn because I feel like everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a time and a place for certain things. And I was just waiting for my time and place to be a leader. But now I understand, you know, if you wait too long, you know, you might miss your turn. So you got to jump on it, you know, early. So, you know, just understanding the difference between those two and just figuring out where I stand, you know, just understanding that.
1: Anthony Richardson, for a few more moments, joining us. See, so had that great showing at the combine, and your name is moving up draft boards. You're soaring up draft boards. Some analysts say not only might you be in the top ten, you could go as high as number one overall. How much attention are you paying to all of that? Do you allow yourself to look at the mock drafts and get caught up?
2: Honestly, I, I don't. I don't try to look at anything. You know, uh, if I'm at the house with my family, anything my name pops up, I tell them to turn it off. You know, because I feel like that can alter your mind. You know, that can steer you away from your purpose and your desire. And that can definitely make you complacent. And I don't want to get complacent. You know, I'm still garnered as if I might be the last pick of the you know. So, just understanding, like, how much this means to me and, and why I'm doing it. And not just to, like, get bought, bought into everything and you know, everybody's all the hype and stuff. You know, because I definitely have things to improve on. That's my main focus, you know. Improving on those things, so I can improve my my draft stuff.
1: Right, I think I think it's both. I think it's both. I think if you read it too much, people are blowing you up, and that's not a good thing. Or if you read it, and then people who have nothing better to do are tearing you down, and that's not a good thing. I think you're right. I think that's how you go about it. If you had a say, knowing what you know and knowing what the competition is, where do you think you should go in the draft?
2: You know, I definitely believe I should go top ten, if not top ten, definitely one, because. I feel like I do a lot of things that a lot of guys can't do in this job, and I'm willing to get better every single day. So, um, you know, I, I definitely believe I'm I'm in that top tier portion.
1: No doubt. So let me ask you this before you go. What do you look at over the next few weeks? You've got your Pro Day coming up, or Florida's Pro Day, in Gainesville on March 30th. Given the way you showed out at the Combine, have you decided yet what you're going to do on Pro Day and how you're going to approach that?
2: You know, I'm just going to showcase my arm, you know, uh, throw it around a little bit, so I, I can rip it, show them that, you know, I'm one of the best QBs in this job.
1: Dude, one last thought. When you ran that 443 I'm curious. I mean, you lit the internet up by running that 4 4th fastest time of any quarterback. And you're not a small dude, dude. Far from it. <laughs> Did you have a target mind coming in? What number were you looking to hit?
2: You know, uh, during my training, you know, uh, our target time was high 4-4s, you know, or mid-4-4. And I was only going to get me a 4-4 if I had a, a good start, you know. Uh, and Indy, you know, my start wasn't so great, but it was the best start that I had, you know, throughout my training process. And you know, the time was high 4-4s for us, you know. So if we got 4-4-8, 4-4-9, you know, I wouldn't be that happy, but you know, it, it's good enough for a guy my size. So when I saw the 4-4-4, you know, I was definitely beaming with, with a smile, and I was, you know, I was, I was happy.
1: Dude, it is an incredible time for a guy your size, no doubt. He is a draft prospect, Florida quarterback, coming off a year where he had 17 touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 131, and just lit the combine on fire last week. Anthony Richardson, my guest. Anthony, man, great to have you on. Really appreciate you. Appreciate the conversation. Thanks for making time for us. Yes, sir. Thank you. Hey, now, are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake. Do not eat a bar reach for a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty. It's tender. It's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire, and it goes wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying that way. Look for it in major retail stores near you and clones. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares Old oh, Trapper, what is your beef? Freddie Van Vliet. I'm still not over his absolutely epic evisceration of the ref show on Wednesday night. In fact, I don't think I'll ever get over it. Get over it. There's nothing to get over. It was amazing. Content that good is forever. And apparently, Fred Is now not only the starting point guard on team content, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. He set the standard for how you go in on the ref show. If you're going to do it, and guys so badly want to do it, and they don't, they're afraid to. They don't want the fine. Fred did not give a damn. And Fred is not somebody who goes off half cocked. Fred is smart, Fred is a champ. Fred is a leader. But Fred had had enough of Ben Taylor earlier this week and he let it rip with one of the greatest takedowns of the ref show that I have ever heard. In fact, I'm gonna say it's the best one I've ever heard. I mean, I don't
3: mind. I'll take a fine. I don't really care. I thought, you know, um Ben Taylor was f-ing terrible tonight. Um I thought that on um, most nights, you know, a couple of the, you know, out of the three there's one or two that just the game up, you know, and it's, it's, it's been like that a couple couple games in a row. Um, Denver was tough, obviously. You come out tonight, you're competing pretty hard. The third quarter, I get a bullshit tech. changes the whole dynamic of the game. Changed the whole flow of the game. And, um, you know, most of the refs are trying hard. I like a lot of the refs are trying hard. They're pretty fair. They communicate well. And then you got the other ones who just want to be dicks and um just kind of the game up. Nobody's coming to see that shit. They come to see the players. And um I think we're losing a little bit of the fabric of what the nba is and was and um it's been disappointing this season um you can look up most of my texts this year have been with ben taylor officiated so at a certain point as a player you feel it's personal and um it's never a good place to be that's not why we lost tonight we got outplayed um but it definitely makes it tougher to overcome
1: listen i'm not playing that just because it's incredible and it'd be gratuitous well i am playing it because it's incredible But you know what's amazing? Like Again, I could sit down and write that and not write it as well as he did it off the cuff. And maybe not off the cuff because that's clearly something he's thought about and spoken about. And the point that he made yesterday was, I felt I had no choice. I had nowhere else to go with that. I felt that it had to be said. That was incredible how well-spoken that was. So... And notice one thing about that. That was not just about Ben Taylor. He mentioned other referees. He didn't name check them like he did Taylor. But that was not just about Ben Taylor. But Ben sucks to be you. Then again, it also sucks to be fined, which was always the unfortunate flip side of this for Fred. He knew it. We knew it. We all knew it. Adam Silver's hammer. Because ears... Is not going to tolerate pouring liquid magma all over the ref show. We knew a fine was coming, and then yesterday the fine was announced. The only question was not if, but how much? I speculated one million dollars. That, that's how good that beatdown was. I just missed. Oh, so close. 30 grand. 30 grand. But that's it. 30 grand. I seriously thought it would be closer to one mil than 30 grand. That's all that's going to cost. 30,000 U.S. dollars. And listen, while that is a lot of paper, I'm not saying it's not. That is incredible value for the incredible rant. It's not even the biggest fine that the NBA has doled out this season. It's not even the biggest fine that Ears has handed out this season to a person for ripping the refs. Incredible. And when you get right down to it, 30K is really only 25K, technically because he already got his 5K in Smack Off winnings. If you missed all of this yesterday, Smack Off season ended before it even began because Fred ripped the strap with that content. My dude, if you want to claim your 5K, you'll have a head start on paying down the most worthwhile fine that has ever taken place because that was the most worthwhile cause. I don't want to speak for him. I'll bet you Ike from Ike's Sandwiches will kick in 5,000 sandwiches. Dude, you may end up making money out of this. It almost looks like ears knows that the dude was exactly right with all of that, which is why it was very unfortunate to hear Fred call it unfortunate yesterday, but that's Fred for you. Dude is a total class act. I caught up in the moment a little bit, but you know, you live and you learn, you move on. It came out authentic. It
3: came out, you know, in real time. Um... You know, I wouldn't have done that if I felt like I had another option or outlet. I I felt like I've exhausted my options, you know, this season on many different occasions. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm human, you know. And um, you'll see me make mistakes in real time and and make things that, you know, is not always perfect. uh, A little unprofessional from from my standard. Uh, So,
1: you know, it's unfortunate. But it happened. You know, you got to live and learn. Fred, you're a stud, man. You're you're a stud. You are human and you're all class. Unfortunately, let me say that again. Fred, you are all class. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he called his comments, quote, unfortunate. Unfortunately, he said, quote, you will see me make mistakes in real time and make things that are not always perfect. A little unprofessional for my standard, so it was unfortunate. End of quote. My guy? (laughs) Wrong, Fred. (laughs) It is not unfortunate that you said what you said. It is unfortunate that you're trying to walk it back. What is truly unfortunate, it sounds almost like an apology. Almost like you're sorry you said it, and not that you're sorry you're in this situation, but that you really mean you're sorry you said it. That's unfortunate. Fortunately, I do not accept what sounds like an apology, because you have nothing to apologize for unless you're apologizing for being awesome and giving us one of the best pieces of content ever. If you want to apologize, Fred, for being awesome, then yes, I accept your apology. Yes, everybody makes mistakes. This was not a mistake. It was not unfortunate. It was one of the best things ever. And sure, you have to live. You have to learn. Live and learn that you just set the standard for ripping the hell out of the ref show, and you do not need to be sorry for any of it. Since when do we apologize for the greatest thing ever? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm the GOAT. I'm sorry that I just uttered one of the best things ever. I'm sorry that I'm going right into the Hall of Fame wearing a hat that says team content. My man. I, I app- appreciate you trying to make it right, except you didn't make it wrong. Apology not accepted, Fred. No, it's unfortunate, but... It no, it's happened. not. You know, you gotta you know what's life. unfortunate, Fred? It's unfortunate that you're walking it back. That's what's unfortunate. You know what's unfortunate, Fred? It's unfortunate how classy you are. Classier than me, yo. Apology not accepted. Today, yesterday you won the smack off, today I ripped your gold and take it back. If you mean that, dude. You know you gotta live and learn. No, I don't want you to live and learn. Y- you already have lived a great life and learned a great deal. Otherwise, you would not got up there and did what you did. Bro, you are living a much better life than us. And by the way, you're more intelligent than the rest of us.
3: No, it's unfortunate, but it's no, happened. no, 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 no. You know
1: it's unfortunate? No, no. You walking it back. You don't like that cup. I don't like that cup. I, cup. I don't hear a word you're saying, Fred. Discover credit cards, do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant, doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard. Also doubled, and the best part—you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com/match. Mike Morell, he joins me right now. Mike, it is great to have you on. How are you?
0: oh I'm doing good, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. I've been a been a fan of yours for since I was a kid, man. Not not to age you at all, but. I, uh, I've i been a fan, man. This is a treat for me. My,
1: my man, a treat for me, too. And I take no offense to that, even if I am old enough to be your dad. But that's great. I really appreciate that, man. Thanks so much. So I would imagine there's a tremendous buzz, Mike, surrounding the program and across campus. What has the week been like since you punched that ticket to the NCAA Tournament Sunday?
0: Man, it's been great. You know, I uh, this is my fifth season. I won four games in my first year uh here and, and we're kind of rebuilding the program and to have it culminate in in a regular season and tournament championship obviously with the NCA birth man you know it's like you said you know it's it's why it's your you know your favorite sporting event it's also man it's one of the reasons why i got into to just you know loving basketball and then coaching obviously is just this event and how special it is and to be a part of it it's you know it's created quite the buzz not only on campus man but just across our city you know we've got a great city here who loves basketball, and our guys really deserve it. And man, we're going to enjoy every every second of it, and and take it all in.
1: That is so smart. Embrace all of it because you're promised nothing, right? I mean, you may be there every single year, but you not you might not be. You have to embrace all of it. You touched on something about the community. I'm curious when you have a season like that, it's absolutely awesome for the program, the players, the coaches. But what does a season like that do for an entire university, top to bottom?
0: Man, well, I'll tell you too, man, coming out of COVID where we, uh, you know, we just didn't get a chance to play in front of many fans. I mean, it's affected three years in a row. And then we've had, you know, our attendance this year, we were one of, I think it was 10 or 11 teams, Jim, in the country to go undefeated at home, which speaks to exactly what you're talking about, Um, you know, having – you know, you know, bodies back in the seats, the 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 creation of that buzz on campus. It's been really, really special. It's it's re- honestly, it's really hard to put into words. I've got a very, very veteran and old team, um, and so for them to kind of help us build this thing to where it's at and get rewarded the way they have with attendance, with love, with recognition. Man, is something that that again, you, you know, you know, you never want to get too high, but uh, man, again, we're going to enjoy it, and these guys deserve it.
1: Mike Morell joining us, head coach of UNC Asheville. Listen, I want to talk to you about how you built it, but I don't want to gloss over this fact. I don't want to miss this fact. I don't want to get lost on this. The program has come so amazingly far since you took over. As you pointed out, you started with four wins in your first season. This year, you had 27. I want to say it defies explanation, yet here you are. What were the initial steps that you took when you got there, and how have you pulled this off?
0: Well, we've got Jim, we've got a good amount of transfers on our team and, and I left the University of Texas. So I was an assistant for Shaka Smart there, both at VCU and at Texas. And when I got here, it was really before the transfer portal. And so, you know, if you took a transfer, those guys were sitting out and it was just a little bit tougher, you know, to, to flip the program quicker and, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And so we had, we had eight freshmen on my first team, man. You know how it is in college basketball. That's that's not a recipe for winning. And so um, you know, we took our lumps early on. We got better each and every year. And, and we were able to retain our best players. Um, and, again, it kind of all culminated in this year. But every single year we got a little bit better. And then we made a major, major jump this year.
1: Mike Morell joining us, a major jump. Now, since you mentioned your guy, Shaka Smart, I had him on the show last week and you were an assistant with him both at VCU and Texas. Man, I love the guy. I really do. I've got immense respect for him, the way he builds things, the way he handles himself. What were your biggest takeaways from working with him?
0: Biggest thing I would say, Jim, is just the ability to pour belief in people. Uh, not, and I'm not just talking about players. I'm talking about staff. I'm talking about guys like me you know, who worked for him. And um, you know, I met Coach Smart when I was a, a graduate assistant at Clemson. He was an assistant coach there at the time. Um, and then he obviously hired me at VCU, and, and I went with him to Texas. But he just had this innate ability just, you know, even with a kid who maybe, you know, you could tell was having some confidence issues or maybe not even that, just maybe had never played. Um, he's like, this guy is going to be really good for us, like, now. And, you are you know, as an assistant, you're kind of like, is this guy for real right now? Uh, and then, bang, it would come to fruition. Uh, his belief in people and his ability to pour himself and those around him into those particular, uh, players, man. I don't, you know, he, he, he's been a guy who's taken that Marquette team without a ton of transfers at all. And he's developed, uh, those players into what they are right now. You don't do that unless you're pouring in belief
1: to those guys every day this dude has done an amazing job an amazing job since returning to the home state and taking over Marquette Mike what about the fact when you punched that ticket on Sunday you beat Campbell but you came back from down 14 with less than eight minutes to go knowing this group the way you know this group and knowing what was at stake what was your message to that team when you were down double digits late
0: yeah. So we, we, Jim, honestly, we have been in that situation really two particular times. We won at UCF down 10 with about three and a half to go. I think being in that situation, although we didn't know we were going to be thankful for it in the moment, uh, man, we were really thankful for it in the big South tournament, because I believe it gave us confidence to say, okay, you know, we can really do this. You know, we can come back. And then you know, this is an you know, it's another thing that Coach Smart, you know, always taught us is like, hey, if you're gonna err on the side of anything, you gotta err on the side of aggression in moments like those. And uh just peel your ears back and and uh, see what happens. Um, and so that's what we did. And then, you know, another really cool thing for me here over the course of five years, going from four wins to twenty seven wins, is Tejon Jones who really led that uh comeback charge for us. He was the only not just coach, the only player that was here with me in that first year, Jim, and to see him be able to kind of lead that charge, man, it was it was really emotional for me, really special for me, and just kind of, uh, man, it was, I no other words other than just really awesome to watch.
1: I know, I get it, Mike. I was going to ask you about two guys, and he was one of them. Like, you never want to put it on one guy, but how much of that was about Tajon? taking over late and just making sure he would not let you lose?
0: I think it was a lot of it. Um, you know, we've got Drew Pember, who's one of the, you know, he's, he's one of the best players in the country. And even Drew knows on our team, like, hey, if Tejon gets it going, we have got to get that guy another look ASAP, like immediately. Uh, and I think it's just the respect that Tay has. And it was funny because he's not a very outgoing personality, Jim. He's kind of to himself. But in those, in that moment, I have never seen him more intense. And, uh, you know, I know coaches like to take a lot of credit sometimes for certain things. Man, I was, I, I wasn't doing much over there. Kind of like, Hey, man, uh, hey, hey, let me know if you need some water. Uh, let me know what you need, man. And, uh, just keep doing what you're doing. And so it, it was a really cool moment.
1: You know, Mike, I I have so many coaches that come on right now, and they all say the exact same thing, that what you really want is a players-led program because of what you just said. And the other guy that I was going to mention is who you just mentioned. Drew Pember, he did what he's done, Mike, all season long. He dominated. He had 29 Sunday. What's the senior big man meant to your team on and off the floor since he transferred in from Tennessee a couple of years back?
0: He's been the biggest addition, obviously, that we have made. And you know he leads America uh, in free throw attempts and free throw makes. And for a six eleven you know forward to be able to go to the free throw line and you know this and shoot almost eighty five percent. Wow! Like you you can't quantify that in terms of how important that is. And then on top of the fact he's he's literally and I think it's over forty free throws he's shot uh, more than than the than the person who is in second place. So. He's really, in a lot of ways, Jim, he's just a unicorn in terms of the things that he can do. And he's, you know, he's got great size. He's got great skill, but he does a great job of getting fouled. And uh, as you know, I mean, other than the dunk, that's the highest percentage shot that you can get as a free throw. So uh, Drew's really developed. You know, he was at the University of Tennessee and then transferred here. Um, And I tell people all the time, man, that, that the greatest thing about him is his ability to kind of, deflect all that attention and just stay really humble. He's just just a good dude, man, which means when you're the best player and you're a really good dude, your teammates they understand and they you know, they love playing with guys like that.
1: Nothing better than that. Mike, I got to be honest, that that is an astounding stat that a guy who goes 6'11" shoots 85.85% from the floor from the free throw line. That is such an amazing asset to have. Listen, I know that you've got a lot of work ahead of you and I don't want to get too carried away, but there's a stat that's really amazing. UNC Asheville has more wins this season than any other Division One program in the state of North Carolina, meaning, of course, <laughs> you have a better record than Duke, you have a better record than Carolina, you have a better record than NC State, and you have a better record than Wake Forest. I understand you have work to do, but that is pretty amazing. What's it like to hear that, and what's that distinction represent to you?
0: Well, as it's, it's you just, I mean, there's a reason why you name those schools off. You know, North Carolina is it's a hoop state. You know, I mean, it's a basketball, it's a basketball state, and they they love their basketball here. So, um, man, we've just got a special group, and, and it it's it it don't got much to do with the coaching. It's just a really connected uh, group that has has really defied odds, uh, Jim, in a lot of ways, and whether it's coming from four wins the first year. Or, coming down, you know, you know, down 14 and coming back to cut a net down. Uh, it means everything. And especially, uh, and there's no doubt it means a little bit more when you're in a state with those type of names. And, you know, I mean, uh, again, we're not going to get too high, but we're sure as hell going to give ourselves a pat on the back for that because these guys deserve it.
1: You sure as hell should. And, by the way, coaching does have something to do with it. It's got lots to do with it. And the portal goes both ways, right? You might not hit the portal or you might – but the players have the right to. So you want to make sure they re- you retain them. So it does go both ways. Final thought selection Sunday is always one of the best days in sports. And you're having your fans join the team at the arena to watch the selection show Sunday night to find out who you're going to play in the first round. I know you're grounded in the moment to find out who you're going to play, but how emotional do you think that Sunday will be for your players and the community?
0: It's, it's, very, because uh, you know, I've been lucky to go to nine NCA tournaments as an assistant or, you know, graduate assistant or whatever. Uh obviously it's it's different when you go as a head coach and but I've told these guys, you know, there there there's no feeling like watching your name pop up on pop up on that screen and you don't care where you're going. And I told these we they can send us to the moon, man. We're gonna go with a smile on our face. And we're gonna go to compete, but um, this thing is too hard not to enjoy. And, uh, we're going to enjoy that night. And, you know, whoever we play, we'll be thankful for it. We hope like hell, it's not Marquette.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, but, uh, yeah, you but know, they, they've got it, a
1: real funny way about doing uh, crap like that. Don't they? <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> so, uh, they do. And so, uh, my mom actually asked me about that, Jim. And I said, mom, don't even put that in the universe. Don't even put that in the universe.
1: Love that. But,
0: uh, Man, we're gonna we're gonna enjoy it, and I, and I hope our fans come out, and I know they will. And it's just, uh, and thank you, man. We, programs like ours, man, they they need this type of recognition, and for a guy like you to to recognize and shine a spotlight on the players that we have, they work hard. They work just as hard as anybody uh, at some of those schools you named a second ago. And it's, uh, man, they deserve it.
1: Mike, you did not need to say that, but I really appreciate that you did because that's why I do it. That's why I do it. I mean, we have access to the big-time programs that are there every single year, but I'm always fascinated in programs like yours that have come so far, so fast, done it the right way, and had this opportunity. And part of that is, and I mention this every year, this time of year, I went to UC Santa Barbara, and I was there when they made their first tournament. You nailed it. What it's going to be like when your name flashes across the screen and it normally doesn't, that is one of the most amazing things feelings ever
0: absolutely and and the pit and you know this but people just don't understand what what it goes into what goes into it i mean you start we started on june 3rd of last year and um you know we're going to try to try to drag it out as long as we can but um you know there's 363 schools only 68 get this opportunity and we're grateful to be one of them
1: you've got the perfect mindset for it i love it it's gonna be fun to watch and this is what makes this tournament so great number one it is the format it's the best format there is and number two you've got so many fascinating stories that you ordinarily would not know about they get in and get an opportunity to shock the world and they deserve to be there he is the head basketball coach at unc Asheville. Fifth year there, Big South Coach of the Year this season, and an absolutely dramatic turnaround from four wins in his first season to a school record 27 this season. Mike, great to have you on the show. Good luck on Sunday. Good luck in the tourney. I hope we can do it again soon.
0: Hey, man, thanks. It was a real honor for me, man.
1: Chris in Southeast Wisco. Chris, my man, what's going on? How you doing, dude?
0: Hey, Jim,
4: I'm doing great. How about you, brother?
1: Great, man. Is it a dynasty?
4: Uh, you know, working back towards it, brother.
1: Okay, good.
4: Hey, listen, I just wanted to uh, provide some much-needed relief to a fan base that is understandably stressed to the max right now. And I'm talking about Packer Nation. It's time to R-E-L-A-X, Packer Nation, to borrow a word from their wannabe hippie philosopher quarterback. Rodgers isn't going anywhere I don't give a crap what all those so-called experts are reporting. The Jets deal is not happening. Rogers is set to make 60 mil this year in Green Bay, receiving 59 of it up front from the, from the minute he steps off the plane and into title Town. If they try to trade him, he'll just threaten to retire. He has Packer management sack and a vice grip. Think about it. What other organization would pay you that kind of coin and let you chill every summer chugging psychedelics and avoiding weight rooms like most Twitter clones avoid employment. Roger showed up to training camp last year, looking like he walked from Cali to Green Bay. His most recent off season lack of preparation was embarrassing and unprofessional Jim. You'd think for the coin Green Bay threw at him, he would show some gratitude, boss up and be a true leader and work with the young and talented receivers to help ready them for the upcoming season. Instead, the soon-to-be 40-year-old Wacky Package was busy skipping OTAs and honing his skills on podcasts, talking about his favorite topic, himself, and how deep and enlightened he is. So, Packer Nation, enjoy at least one more year of ayahuasca. 39 is your QB1. The dude hasn't won a chip in over a decade and has lost the last four NFC Championships games Green Bay has played in. Chill on out and get back to what you dudes do best, rolling fatties. Elvin, please don't run me, brother. I'm not talking about Green Bay chicks here. I'm referring to these dudes sparking up massive quantities of wizard cabbage, the blunt, the disappointment their season ends in year after year. Or Caleb in Green Bay, the only clone to pull off the double dip in the same calendar year, winning the 2022 smack-off and the Eagle River Hooters Wet T-shirt Contest. Good luck at Nationals, Leb. Unwar Rogers and his cringy and corny attempts at giving off Dalai Lama vibes during interviews. The guy's an absolute bag. Clones, you can either be great with me or you can watch me be great.
1: Ayahuasca 39. Then 916. EJ. EJ what's cracking dude? How are you?
2: Jim, the legend legendary open dude, you've got me pumped up like Sergeant Slaughter leading a PE class bro. Awesome, awesome. We're feeling it out here in the 916. I've been a fan since the Phil Johnson Reggie Theus days in the early in the mid 80s we got something special now. We hope everybody keeps up that tumbleweed talk we're coming for you.
1: I hear you, dude, right on EJ, nice job
3: i mean i don't mind i'll take a fine i don't really
1: care Hey now it's cracking Welcome to the jungle My name is Jim Rome Hope you had a great weekend Why don't we start With some breaking news The Saints Have emerged As the frontrunner To sign former Raiders quarterback Derek Carr Is it me Or wasn't it the Jets Who were pitching him On this notion of You'll go to the Hall of Fame That's yeah!
2: well, That be the result
1: Maybe he just didn't want That smoke That the Coug Hunter Zachary Comes to bring him In practice Every single day
0: Yeah I'm gonna make That dude's life hell In practice every
1: day Maybe he didn't want That smoke
0: The focus right now now is Joss taking on the responsibility? Take,
1: take the, as much time really as you need. Of course they need this guy, place, but not uh, nearly uh, as much as this guy side, needs to get uh, realigned uh, and back the, on the, path. Because you know, I don't think threatening mall cops, of beating of on teenagers, uh, and, about, and waving a gun um, in uh, a club on Instagram Live is his purpose. How you doing, YouTube? Good, dude. You know, two words they should have told that John Moran. You a corporate entity. Jim Laranega joining us. If I had said you before that game that's how that would go on the boards, what would you have said? Oh, we're going to win. <laughs> we must rebound the ball
0: better the second time around. We certainly did that.
1: No argument for anybody other than him being the goat. Hopefully he's gotten all that other bull crap out of his system. Francis is a big old John, who's the goat? <laughs> And a to Tommy Wah, at a A.
4: extremely athletic player, very intelligent, very smart, very respectable uh, person who's gonna you know care about others. So that's why I believe I should be a part of your team, a part
1: of your program. They wrote me off, I ain't right back. Gino though. just did the damn thing, and he should be celebrated for it. Hey Seattle, hey, Seattle. feeling about your. We got 100 million dollar quarterback. Hey, Seattle, nice. how happy Seattle. are you that it's not Russell Jackson? You want 250 million dollars guaranteed? I wouldn't give you 250 bucks. I would call this collusion if I could prove it, but I can't. And the fact that I can't, well, the colluders. Owners know that we can't prove you it. You have that one run, and it's a seventy-yarder, and it looks. And great. what's he done besides winning an MVP? get Yet I'm the dope who doesn't do my homework. That's rich. Yo, dank. I accept your apology for not being dank. That was very undank. That was the opposite of dank. Dank. Toilets. <laughs> Eleven hundred. Urinals. Toilets. Come on! You get a urinal. You get a urinal. Everybody gets a urinal. Drags. Toilets. Toilet paper. Toilets. Baby wipes. Toilets.
2: Thoughts on Davis. Will. To, uh, Anthony. Yeah, David. Will. Oh, Will, got you. Yeah. Will Davis? Will
1: Davis? Come on, man. Phil Russell Davis? Didn't want any of that? Kareem Abdul Davis? Davis. Davis. Shaquille O. Davis? Will Davis. Come on, huh, couple. Nation. UK, how you living? So I'm I'm trying to do a take on the Wildcats, and Stu's just belting out Better Man with his goat dialect. Not the greatest of all time, you're a goat. Oh my God. (laughs) Kyle Brandt buying pizza and lava cakes, and Alvin Deloro crying. Stu, what about me? Did I not do anything for you that day? I go out
0: with a buddy of mine, my JV coach at the time. and he's a buddy of Jason's and a couple of Your his friends.
1: boss has been playing that call? He's, he's got to get my name out of that. I got kids. I got a wife. She's not happy. And they're watching more With a guy. Headstrom Bacon. More dedicated healthcare professional. But dude, you can't be doing that on this show. Erica Herman coming back. Finding out the key doesn't work. And she's like, Tiger. Tiger. She goes around to a side door. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Looks under the mat. There is no Tiger extra key. Woods. Tiger Woods. You suck. Dumbass. Always great to have you on the show, bud. Thank you. So so much. I've said many, many times, you get it, and I think those of us in you know in these chairs appreciate you more than you know. What is your beef?
4: Jim, yeah, my beef is with me. Hey John and Philly, you hypocrite. What's wrong with you? My beef is with a stinky co worker. Hard headed, hard of hearing guy. What'd you say? And I apologize
1: for absolutely nothing because she's a cocaine cougar. <laughs> Who should we ask about Jim Beheim's retirement? This is up to the university. Oh, so you then retired.
4: I didn't say that. So
1: you retired. I don't know. Jim. Are you retired or not?
4: You're talking to the
1: wrong guy. Who should we talk to about it? (laughs) We're not leaving cardboard boxes in the driveway. Can we fix that kid's car? What is going on? Canoga Park? or Caleb in Green
4: Bay winning the 2022 Smack Off and the Eagle River Hooters Wet T-Shirt
1: Contest. Yeah, Rome, that's great, but what about sports? You and I try Molly for What about it? Here, is, here is The best part. I'll get there. Twitter! You, Jet are coming at the wrong dude. I'm the dude on the national scene blowing you up. Anthony Richardson, where do you think you should go in the draft? I definitely believe I should go top 10. If not,
3: top 10 definitely weren't.
0: Mike Morrell. been a fan of yours since I was a kid, man. Not not to age you at all, but, man, this is a treat for me. Mom.
3: I just want to be <laughs> dicks <in>. Just kind of f*** the game up.
1: And all the bull crap <laughs> they were slinging at Derek Crap or Derek Carr. Carr!
0: Thank you for having me on, man. It
2: was awesome. The
1: relationship looked good. My NDA feels good. I Get like, out my I mansion. Sense. Nailed it. Come
2: on! All that muscle with a big-ass more like legs up, dog. Boil
3: Wow Why, world of sports is that?
0: And you still doing your thing, man, which is kind of nice. Keep it going. A wash here, your- more Cindy. Last thing.
1: <laughs> Good night
0: now. Good night
4: now.